welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us today, whether you're watching us live or playing us back on your favorite pod network. We are just glad that you are with us. Uh, we want to quickly remind you that we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a fantastic place for all of your progressive Christian resource needs. We encourage you to check them out. And as always, we encourage you to check us out on Facebook and follow us there, as well as making sure that you're downloading us at your favorite podcast site. And finally, one last reminder, this is not a spoiler-free zone. It is fully a spoiler full zone. So count on us spoiling this for you. If you haven't watched it yet, maybe you want to like just save this somewhere and come back to us. Uh, and speaking of us, Caleb, good to see you, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. It's great to yeah. see you. I'm Absolutely. ready to get into this. Silo. so ready. We covered Silo after the first four episodes. During the show, we started realizing that we were really enjoying it and making so many predictions that we really sort of need to come back to it. Now that the season's wrapped up, we're coming back to it. But I'm curious, did you go with your same drink from the first show or did you decide to do something different? Well, you know, I don't remember exactly what I had for the first show, but I, so I'll have to depend on you because I know that, I that you've you. revisited to make sure that we can stay true to our predictions. Absolutely, uh, so, yeah. So I thought, you know, in the silo, so I, I see that they've got a, a lot of, the mayor had a lot of drinks and some different yep. kinds of alcohol. And I know in the silo, they didn't necessarily have access to a lot of things. So they kind of had to take what they had access to. And right. I, I've been traveling a lot and I don't have access to a lot of things. And I kind <laughs> of had to just take things that I had access to. All and right, so right. I, I thought, okay, it looks like they've got whiskey. So I, I had some of that right. and, and I had, and I had some, uh, some Coke. So I've got some, uh, some Jack Daniels and some Coke, some, not, uh, Jack not a Coke. bad classic, choice. you know, not a, yeah. not a bad choice. Absolutely. It's what, not I, a bad choice. what I had access Absolutely. to just like them. I don't, that's not what I had last time. Not what you had the first, first time you had a cognac cocktail because they had specifically mentioned they had some cognac and you ah, make something called a cognac yes. cocktail. Okay, I am okay. repeating my drink, and it's really okay. an easy drink uh, because the same thing you said, they have limited access. It was one of the drinks that, that played a little bit of a role in the first or second, I think the second episode. And it's simply, it's also my second favorite uh, alcoholic beverage, which is a nice dark red wine. So uh, I went with That's wine. Nice. I did that the first show, but it, it, we don't see a lot of things where wine seems like the appropriate oh. drink. So I decided, decided to go with it this time. So cheers to you, Soar. Sir, I'm looking forward to digging into this with you. Me too. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are revisiting the show on Apple TV, Silo. And uh, this is, of course, our second time on this. And uh, I've got to admit that the first time we talked about it, I think 
Mark, you and I both had some doubts on what the quality of the show <laughs> would be. And um, I, I think that's understandable because uh, this is the synopsis in a world, in a dystopian future where a community exists. In a giant silo that extends hundreds of story under the ground, 10,000 people live in a society bound by regulations they think are meant to protect them. But are they really? And so we started watching this, and we're both, I think, very pleasantly surprised. In oh, fact, yeah. uh, Mark, I hadn't watched it since uh, oh, wow. we talked about it, because I like to go through at the end and kind of binge watch. I, I know Fair you've enough. been kind of keeping up with it, right? You've yes. been watching yep. it week by week. Yeah, my and wife so, and I sit down every Friday to catch it as soon as it comes out. Okay, so so you've been engaged, uh, and mm -hmm. I I hadn't, and I I had like six episodes to catch up on, and so a couple days ago I'm like, okay, I'll break it up, and I'll watch a couple episodes tonight and a couple episodes uh, the next night, and yeah. I sat down, and I've spent the next six hours watching this <laughs> show because I couldn't turn it off. It was kind of enthralling, and so. I think yeah. it, it was better than either one of us really expected. Absolutely. Um, you know, they did a really good job with every episode having sort of a cliffhanger. And I've mm -hmm. now learned that partly that's because the person who wrote the book, that the books that this is based mm -hmm. on, did them on his own without a publisher. He had already done through a publisher, decided uh, he didn't want to do that. And he published yeah. these as uh, short stories on Kindle. And so hmm. they had natural cliffhangers built into chapters. They don't necessarily follow everything completely from what I understand. I've tried to stay away from knowing what the books actually say, but I did learn yeah. that that's how it goes about. And that's part of why I think we had these wonderful small cliffhangers at the end of every episode that pulled you it, along the way it did you. It, it really did. It was hard to turn off. And I'm usually someone who's pretty good at like saying, okay, I'm done for today. <laughs> and I, I, I really shouldn't have been staying up, you know, very late watching these, but I did. I couldn't turn it off. I had to know what so happened. Yeah. And so Mark, I know that, that you have, uh, you have made sure we're going to uh, hold true to our predictions, but I do yeah. remember some of them. Okay. And right. the thing I was thinking as I was watching was, uh, that I believe what happened was I said that I thought what was what was really outside the silo was yeah. a, a, a world that was undisturbed uh, and that uh -huh. uh, that there hadn't been any kind of catastrophic damage and that they were that there was some kind of internal government or something keeping them in the silo. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that I was wrong about that. <laughs> so I need to eat crow on that because what you said, I believe, if I remember correctly, is that there was some kind of a disaster and yeah. uh, that you expected to see uh, that there were maybe multiple silos. And the last scene of this season seems to indicate that as usual, Mark, <laughs> you were right. <laughs> you were uh, right, and I was wrong about this. Did, I is is I that the way you say, read that as well? <laughs> I have to say, I did kind of remarkably well. Like, frighteningly you, you, well you, you really at, did. At, at predicting this, I not only said that uh, I thought that there was something catastrophic out there, but I also said that um, I was pretty sure that the, 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 the suits were designed to fail. Um, 
out there. And you said the same though. You you said you also thought that they were designed to fail. Uh, you said you thought they were pumping uh, toxic gas yeah, into them. Yeah, right. Uh, right. And, and I said, I think that they're designed to fail and the toxic gas gets in. Um, and honestly, we both may be right because one of the things that I noticed was, think about this. As they send someone outside, the last thing they do, they go through that double locked door yeah. where they're in this uh -huh. room. They blow gas at them. Right. You that's only do exactly. that when you're coming in from a toxic environment, not when you're going out to one. So I mm -hmm. wonder if they weren't trying to speed up the process by actually blowing some of the gases and airs. So you, we may have both been right. But then I did actually say that the season finale could be that someone figures out that there's something wrong with the suits, fixes it, goes outside and sees something that could be another silent. I don't have any clue why I put all that together, but I really thought that that might be where we end up. I think you're right. That really seems to be what the what the cliffhanger of the season was yeah, as yeah, she is. goes out there and uh, somehow seems to kind of fix the suit and walks and we see the same kind of circular uh, design around with a yep. kind of dent in the middle, which could be a silo. So uh, if if you're watching online, I do apologize. Uh, I'm on sabbatical and my children are outside the door. So if you hear my children <laughs> screaming, uh, apologies. Not, they not be unsupervised, though. You, the way you said not that. Not unsupervised. Like, <laughs> the way yes, you said that was are, like, I put them in the other room and just lock them. them in there until I'm finished. No, <laughs> so that, no, so that I can drink no. and talk about pop so, culture. No, they are So one of the like one of the yeah. other things that we tried to predict was um, – whether or not somebody knows what's actually going on. Yeah. And you said that you, you were pretty certain someone in judicial knew what was yeah. going on. Um, and, and I said that I agree that I thought that uh, Sims played by common uh -huh. in judicial knew. And I said, I also was pretty sure that Bernard knew what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, are you and, sure you didn't write this series, Mark? Because <laughs> because the the clairvoyance with which you predicted this stuff is pretty amazing. I just I don't know. I, it's the it's the English major in me who really focused on writing and literature uh, in my first English degree. That I think this this just got really <laughs> in, into that part of my soul. But it turns out that we're both sort of right. Common kind of a Sims does like you were saying. Someone in judicial. Sims does sort of know part of what's going on, but also we see in the last episode that there are parts that he seems to have not been fully informed about. And Bernard is the one who really knows what's going on and is trying to keep it away from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think I, I kind of I suspected in my heart of hearts that it was the judge who was behind it all. And mm. she super wasn't. Uh, she, what? she was, uh, she, she was just kind of a cog in the, in the wheel. Right. So, uh, wow. Uh, I, yeah. I really, I missed, I missed the ball. Were, were there other predictions, Mark? Were just there other just one that more we that we okay. both got completely wrong. Okay, good. I'm glad to know that you were wrong about something. Tell me. We were trying to. We were. We were guessing what happened to, to Juliet's mom, uh, and I basically said I thought that her death was essentially just a, a, like not a big. It, we're not going to get the backstory. That was a literary device to set her character up from coming from a broken house and why she would go down to the depth, the deep, down deep. Uh, you said that the, the the person who knows what's going on 
probably killed her mother. And uh, we were both definitely wrong on that one. We, yes, we did we learn were. that it was a, a much more significant reason that explains, it does explain a lot of Juliet's character, oh. uh, but we were both very wrong on that. Yeah. Okay. So, so we made predictions. Uh, you certainly fared better than I did, but uh, it was a very engaging, a uh, very engaging season, and we didn't get yeah. the answers still to a lot of things. And so, yeah. I I'm curious, Mark, to to know some of your thoughts on these things that we did not get answers to, okay. like who are the founders. And still, why are they in the silo? Do you have uh, do you have thoughts on why you think that is? Um, yes, I do. I, I'm going to continue with my thought that these silos were built because of some kind of some destructive stuff that went out on in the world. When you see how many they are, it must have been either that the destruction was slow or that somebody made them in anticipation or as preparation for something that could go wrong. We slowly start realizing that, that I, at this point, I believe that the silos are numbered and that they're in number 18. The hard drive had 18 on it. Right. The key uh, that Bernard has had 18 on it. That special key that gets them into a room that nobody else gets into. And so I think Someone set these up to protect them from something that horrible was going to happen that did happen. And that the people who set it up are in their own silo. And mm. it's probably a much better run system and nicer than anything we're seeing right now. And that that's what they're doing. And that's who Bernard talks to and probably people in other silos. And I'll tip a little bit more of what I think here by saying, at least for the silos that are still functioning and have people in mm. so what do you think I, i'm just gonna say yes i i think <laughs> mark's mark's been right about everything yes whatever mark says that's probably the the right thing <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know who the founder i don't know who the founders are um but i i i think the last and i was holding on mark till the very last scene i yeah. despite any evidence to the contrary i thought <laughs> Every, everything uh every, she's gonna go out there and she's gonna see she's gonna rip off the helmet and everything's right. gonna be okay uh no no right the uh the reason for the the fault for them being able to see any green at all was to get people to clean the <laughs> was just to right. get people to clean uh, the camera probably uh, there's another possible right. what's okay we'll so we'll what's we'll what's the other no, we'll oh, okay. You're gonna make me wait, Mark. You're gonna just tease. <laughs> okay. Yes, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. I think I think that there was some kind of a disaster. I think it must have had something to do with technology, which leads yeah. me to my next question. Because okay. um, I, I'm curious why you think it at, ever uh, technology and relics are so taboo. Why can't they? Why can't they have any technology? Why can't they know anything about the past? Why can't they know why they're in the silo? It seems to me that 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 might help keep them in there. So, what's your prediction about why that is? Um, I think it's that anything that they can't explain that they could make within the silo being exposed 
makes them wonder what, what, what it was before the silo way too much. It makes them a little too curious about it, which can cause a problem, particularly when you're having this very hierarchical um, government, essentially, uh, and folks who are struggling and, and, and really don't know anything. So I think part of it is simply that those types of things could very quickly make you start asking questions about how did, how did this happen if we don't make those kinds of things here? What do you think? I think what we're, I think what we're going to see is that oh, I think this is going to be a commentary on where we are right now as a society in terms of artificial intelligence in particular. Mm. I think we're going to see that technology got out of control. I think it's going to be a warning about technology yeah. getting out of control. And so a very controlled use of technology where we see yeah. uh, only those in power using specific kinds of technology in very specific ways. Um, so because we did see that there yeah. are cameras and that, you know, IT has access to those things, but no one else knew what they even were. And so yeah. I, I think I think it's going to be a commentary on uh, on artificial intelligence. I, in, I think in particular. I, I don't know about artificial intelligence, but I definitely agree that it's going to be a commentary on technology, particularly higher end technology. One of the things that um, kind of struck me odd was that mm -hmm. the key that Bernard has that he got into yeah. a special room uh, can be turned on and off remotely. Yeah. And we don't and we don't really have anything else that's turned on and off remotely, which also yeah. makes the visor like obviously the visor was using wireless communication because yeah. there was something showing on the display and he was able to cut it off once he realized right. that she knew. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that, that the technology exists and maybe the silo that has all of the very important people who created the silos mm -hmm. operates and has all of that and that they're hiding it from everybody else. So I'm kind of on the same page with you on that, I think. Okay, I can't wait to see which one does. Uh, one more question, Mark, that right. I, I need I need an answer to. Um, we'll see. <laughs> so there are cameras pretty much everywhere, but not in the nursery. Why not? Why aren't there cameras in the nursery? That one, I don't, I mean, they put one in, right? They ultimately ended up putting it, one in. Ultimately, yes, whenever they realize that, uh, that Juliet's going there to hide the hard drive and to have private communications with her yeah. dad. They put one in, but there's not one initially. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't really even thought about that. I think it's a great question. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe you have a theory because I, it didn't even strike me to ask why is there not? I mean, I guess I was kind of subconsciously going, well, uh, new baby is the most, one of the more private times. I'm sure there's not cameras in uh, public restrooms or anything, but I don't know. I, I have no idea. I haven't thought about it. What are you, have you, have you came? I think, yes, they don't want microphones and they don't want cameras in there to avoid like what I've been dealing with, the baby crying in the background. They don't want to <laughs> listen to any of that. They don't want to hear us. <laughs> they don't want to hear. They, they've got all the technology except mute. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I don't know. I, I think there's more to I think there's more to why there weren't cameras in there. But I, hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. So yeah. I, maybe we'll get an answer. OK. Hey, I've got a lot more questions, but I did enjoy visiting uh, the predictions, yeah. even though all mine were right. Or all mine were wrong. I, I can't get away with that. All mine were wrong. And most of yours were right. Okay. <laughs> let's take a quick break and let's come back 
and dive into the theology and politics of Silo. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, and welcome to our Theopolitico segment. So, uh, Caleb, I, I get the sense that Bernard, and it was only the last episode, I get the sense that he genuinely believes he is doing the loving thing for the whole of society, actually sort of protecting them. Uh, e even when he sends someone out of the silo to near certain death. So my question is, is it evil to make hard choices for what you truly believe is the good of society? Yeah, I think so. That's that's a really hard question. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I and I agree with you. I think that he is. I, I didn't think that initially. I thought Not he for most of the show. Right. I thought he wanted to be in power and he was making decisions to remain in power and in control. And I, I think you're right. By the end, I, I was convinced that he was really trying to hold society together. I think it gets tough, especially when you're in a, a, a theoretical situation like this, where you've got a limited number of people and limited number of resources and mm -hmm. you're all living in a confined place. Right. Um, I think uh, to a certain extent, we all have to, you know, make hard, hard decisions. Um, but I think whenever we, I, I think whenever leadership starts making decisions about who can live and who can die and what types of behaviors uh, or, or what types of speech is, uh, is able to, uh, to, to, to be spoken and all that kind of stuff that, that we start to get in dangerous territory. So, yeah. I, I mean, there, it's certainly not, uh, they, they may have a, they may have a mayor, uh, but it's not a democratically elected mayor. This is not a mm -hmm. democracy that they're living yeah. in. It's, uh, uh, and, uh, I, I think that it's, I think it's dangerous. I don't think it's a good example of, of yeah. how we should try to, to live in society. I think that whenever you're making, Whenever you're you're controlling people to that extent and uh, under the guise of protecting them, even yeah. even if they are pr protected, uh, I I think that they're ultimately living a life that's uh, that's not worth worth living in that way. Like I think you got I think you've, you've got to have you, I I believe in in the freedom of in the freedom of speech and the freedom of protest and and all of these things that the people in the silo are. Uh, are not granted uh, supposedly for their own good, and I, I, I'm not sure that it is. I think it's it ultimately serves to reinforce the class system that they have there and uh, the, their kind of system of autocracy that they have. What do you think? I, I I think that Bernard actually probably at some point was a, actually a genuinely good person. You can see his emotions coming out sometimes. Uh, I, I think that it's almost like there's no excuse for it, but it's almost like the soldiers in, in Nazi Germany. 
I believe that there's that his thought is he's not really in charge. I think that, like I said, I think there's this whole silo full of people who mm-hmm. mm. kind of control everything. Probably silo one, right? They've not got the first best one or whatever. Um, and I think he's bending to them telling him, well, this is the best thing. And this is the only way you can protect everybody. And I think he really kind of hurts from it. I don't think there's any excuse for it, even if he knows that if he were to try to buck the system, he would die. To to be allowed to put in a position where you are intentionally hurting other people, even if it is for the protection of a larger group of people, when you know that it's morally incorrect, I mm. think you have make a stand and he ultimately chose not to do that don't know what kind of pressures there are maybe he has a family and they are all in the others the silo with the important people and their lives are in threat and he's having an emotional struggle i don't i don't know maybe there's something like that it's still not completely uh excusable i think when there is a, a a moral question at hand no matter the cost you you have to try to make the right choice Yes, I, I agreed, and I hope I hope we get some justification for uh, Bernard's action. There is some kind of external mm-hmm. force uh, pulling on him to make it more yeah. interesting. That's not just him right. ultimately deciding that- right to his head, and he's just yeah. Okay, so new question: yeah. When people think that they see the world, like in mm-hmm. uh, they when they think they're seeing it, yeah. Um, and and in this case, like when they think they're looking at the screen and they see what the world really is, or uh, when um, they see only the silo and don't really know what's outside of it, uh, when they think that that is all that the world is, when they think that that is reality, mm-hmm. how does that sort of insular existence affect them? And, and do we see any of that happening in any of the groups in, in the U.S. where they're just so insular, they think that their world is the only world and they kind of react and push it out on other people whose world is differently? Uh, no, thank God we don't see any of that <laughs> anywhere in U.S. society. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it makes people it makes people afraid, right? It, they're right. they're they're afraid to 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 see anything outside there. And I mean, I think to a certain extent, even within the silo, you know, you see this class system, and you see people not really fraternizing, say, with the the up top with the down deep. You don't see yeah. uh, there. There's this really strict kind of class society. And uh, and people are afraid within the within the silo of each other with good reason. I mean, there there's judicial and uh, there's not a lot of accountability there right. for the way laws are enforced. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, of course, we see this this kind of thing in uh, in the U.S. today. I, so there are any number of examples, but we can say uh, say xenophobia, where right. we are. Once and at various times, you know, in nation's history, they they do this and they want to focus on America first, you know, like uh, just just the the people around us who were citizens of the United States. And what we really mean are like white citizens of the United States and uh, and male citizens of the United States. And so uh, and so we see this growing fear of uh, of people who are outside, people who are different. And um, Mm -hmm. there's 
there's this lack of recognition that what makes us beautiful as a country is whenever we can really celebrate diversity. I mean, that's theological, right? I mean, yeah. if we believe that if we believe that everybody is a reflection of God's image, whatever that means, but if we believe that God is within everybody, uh, that everybody is good, then then God's more fully represented whenever everyone's there. So it's it's a really dangerous line of thinking theologically, but it's really dangerous uh, as a country too, because our, I mean, our country needs immigrants to survive. We need a diversity <laughs> of I, ideas. It's it's really scary. So that's one of the clearest places that I see it happening, yeah. not only in the United no, States I, but at other places yeah. all around the world. What do you yeah. what do you? No, I agree. I agree with you completely. Yeah. I think there's another level of what's going on in the show with this as well, and you can yeah. actually put it into. Uh, our modern world in the U.S. as well. Yeah. It even goes back to part of why I think that uh, they outlawed any relics and that kind of thing. I mm. think that this is mm. actually intentionally sort of a play on Plato's cave, uh, where mm. a person's mm-hmm. reality isn't the full yeah. reality of what they're seeing. And part of yeah. Plato telling that uh, that story was to tell us that knowledge and education is necessary to combat false ideas and understanding of the world. And I think the founders are using that against the people in the silo. If we give them only one view and prevent them from having knowledge, from having education, so we don't need these relics, uh, then they'll just believe this is the reality and we can keep them calm and sort of uh, focus on just what we say is the real world, what is truth. And we certainly see that in the U.S., particularly as we see uh, more conservative political movements yeah. for the dumbing down of America and trying to really crush education and uh, to uh, <clears throat> have people buy false truths as real, you know? Yeah. And Mark, I've got to say, this is the reason I love the Moonshine Jesus show, because here we are talking about a dystopian future show on Apple TV. And you have brought in uh, (laughs) Plato's The Cave. And uh, that's that's one of the beautiful things about this show. I love that. I, I love it because I always learn something from you on the show. You always bring some edge, some perspective that I couldn't have thought of that I don't think is what a lot of, we're geeks. It was not the we perspective are. that a lot, it's not a perspective that a lot of people bring to it, but it's fun and it's great to think about and understand how it might yeah. intentionally or unintentionally been an influence on how these things come about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah let's yeah. keep moving along here in this yes. uh, segment of the show. So, um, Kind of shifting gears here, mm-hmm. Billings, the, the assistant yep. uh, sheriff, uh, yeah. is basically constantly afraid of being, I'm going to say, seen because mm-hmm. of the syndrome that he has. And mm-hmm. particularly early on, he sort of comes off as meek and quiet and in the, the, the edges of, of whatever group he is mm-hmm. with. Uh, but we seem to now be learning these principled and complex and sort of strong I'm just curious, how often does society um, make folks worried about being who they really are? And uh, what can we do uh, to help people celebrate their true selves? Because in him not beginning to not be worried about it, we're starting to see him break out and show his true self. And I'm curious, how does that play out in a society like ours? Yeah, and and so Billings becomes a stronger, more compelling character. The the more we find out about him, and the more he's able to live into that too, right? And so yeah. I think you're right. That's exactly the way it is for society. And so we can see this in any number of cases. I mean, 
from us embracing our geekdom or something like that to right. something much more important like, say, LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus folks being able to live into their true identities and, and not having to live closeted in whatever way that is. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think, now, you know, uh, historically, we've, whenever we've been saying that, we've, we've met like in terms of sexuality. But I think now even more so, we're also talking about uh, gender identity and we're talking about trans Ooh. folks being able to express themselves in, in the way that they they feel they are created to be. And so I think one of the ways that we do that as a society is one, I think like if we don't try to project our own expectations about who someone is supposed to be onto them, mm-hmm. because that, that's a ridiculous thing to do. It is just a ridiculous thing to do. I, yeah. I mean, assuming people's pronouns, assuming what what we think people ought to be or how we pe- think people ought to conform uh, is, is ridiculous. But also it in the same way that bringing diversity, you know, is, is a reflection of God. I think uh, bringing diversity in terms of uh, in terms of sexual orientation and gender identity is stuff that is is beautiful and affirming of God. And I don't see how people who have actually spent any time reading the New Testament cannot right. see that that is a good thing, right? Yeah. We see over and over again that when people live into who they really are, who, who, if they're being authentic to themselves, uh, that, that they're better Jesus followers and living more fully into the world. So, um, so I think that's, I, I think if we can get over projecting things onto other people individually, that's, that's one way that, that we can kind of combat that. What's, what are your thoughts on this, Mark? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think you echoed a lot of what I was already thinking about in terms of groups of society that are caused yeah. to feel like they can't be their true selves and yeah. can't be seen. But as they as as spaces open up and it's made more safe for them to be who they truly are, we all benefit. We see who their true yeah. personality is and they have a better life. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like what they're doing with this character. I think that we're going to see uh, him struggle with that because uh, Sims, Common's character, founds yeah. out that he has this uh, syndrome and I and they make him sheriff anyway, give him a special override for the law right. that says if you have it. Uh, I think that they believe that they're going to be able to use it to make him sort of a, a puppet sheriff. And I think what we're going to see with him is him struggling between his true self and his, his self that uh, he and his wife said his wife says to him, you know, we, we need to focus on what we're trying to do here. So there seems to be something else going on. I think he's going to struggle beside what he and his wife say they're going to do, what uh, Commons character Sim and uh, Bernard are trying to force him to do, and his own desire to be his true self in spite of all of those pressures. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be very informative. And I think a lot of people are going to identify with it and say, yeah, it happens to me. I have family that are pushing me towards one thing. I've got society Mm -hmm. that's pushing for me Mm -hmm. one thing. And I need to figure out who I am in this, and I'm trying to become free in it. And just frankly, uh, sheriffs don't fare too well in this story. So I suspect we already know what's going to happen, that he's going to push back against everything, be his real self, and get set up just the way that Juliet was and get put out the door. I don't know. We'll see. We got time for one more question. One more question. So Martha Walker uh, overcomes her agoraphobia for the sake of helping someone she cares Mm -hmm. deeply about. Is that realistic? 
that a, a yeah. deep-seated psychological issue can be overcome because of an emotional feeling towards someone else. No, that, that was kind of, that was problematic for me. And uh, mm-hmm. and I mean, we see this a lot in TV and movies that you know, if you will yourself enough, right. you you can overcome anything. We love that narrative, um, but it's just not. Uh, I, I mean, and sometimes it's it's true, I, I guess, but not most I'm of the sh- time. I'm sure that happens. I'm sure there's an time. individual example or two where that where that happens, right. but no, most of the time. I mean, she hadn't been out of out of her house in 20 years. Uh, you know, I, I I think what that's actually doing is it's saying dangerous things about mental health, right? Because if yeah, if it's saying, exactly well, right. you know, if you care about somebody enough. You can overcome anything, and I mean, let's let's talk about something like, say, depression. Um, you know, like if you if you love people enough, you can just will yourself back to normal. Well, that's not the reality for almost anybody. You know, the, it takes time, it takes help, and yeah. it and um, and it's a, a bit of a roller coaster. And sometimes you do better than others, but it's not something you can just will yourself to overcome most of the time. So mm-hmm. that was one of the things that was problematic for me. As as yeah, I, was I completely there agree. It. I'm I, like, I'm, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, on, on top of everything you said, it just it it it's it's sort of a, a setup to to make a claim that psychological uh, uh, health issues are, are really not all that big of a deal. Like if you have the proper motivation, you can overcome it no matter what. And that's just, I think that's very hurtful. And we see it far too much in, in lots of entertainment, whether it's TVs, movies, books. Um, and and I, I, I wish we could find a way to get people to stop that. Actually, the story of a person actually overcoming it for something other than an emotional reason is a much more propelling story. And there's a lot more uh, angst and struggle. And like, that that's a better story. I wish we could do better. All right. I also wish that we could have more time to keep talking about these kinds of Me things. Too. But yes, we are uh, approaching the end of this segment. And we need to get on to our favorite segment, our make me look stupid segment. So Let's take a quick drop and uh, come back on the other side. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're entering our final segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, where we get to ask our co-host a question and see if we can make them look stupid. So I don't know that I can do that, but uh, I do have a question for you. (laughs) I do have a question for you, Mark. It's a little bit different than the kinds of questions that I typically ask. Uh, I'm going to ask you to make a tie-in. So we've talked about uh, some great Politico stuff, but you know, what's on my mind this week is all of the decisions of the Supreme Court and all of the long-standing legislation that has been kind of overturned uh, over yeah. the past couple of weeks in particular. Uh, can you draw a parallel between uh, the the overturning of some of these uh, these long-established laws for rights and silo? Can you draw a connection with what has happened over the past couple of right. weeks in the United States with silo? 
Uh, that is a, a tough question. I suspect there's multiple answers to this. One of, one of the connections that I would simply make is that um, Silo is very interested in creating a society that is very tightly defined where they are approving what is okay and wasn't what isn't okay. And if you step out of those boundaries, that uh, there are severe consequences. And we've definitely seen the Supreme Court making decisions that take uh, rights away, which is very unusual. We don't, this very rare that the Supreme Court has ever done that. And we've seen this court do it, particularly this year, over and over again, where they're taking rights away from people, very tightly defining what's okay in society, and basically making it legal to, uh, to hurt people who don't fit within that. So for me, that's part of one of the big parallels that's going on here. Uh, and I'm, there are definitely other ones. I mean, what do you see? Yeah, so um, I I think one of the one of the biggest things that uh, that is scary to me is seeing that, you know, in a lot of ways they're creating kind of a dystopian future in the here and now in the present through the reversal of some of these uh, through some of these actions. And so mm-hmm. I'll draw a parallel. I I mean I think they're parallel with reproductive rights and the things we see mm-hmm. in the silo, but uh, I, I'll draw a, a parallel with what, what we see happening in terms of like kind of a class system and seeing uh, the uh, uh, the Supreme Court overturning, um, you know, the uh, affirmative action decisions here. Yeah, here in the United States, uh, uh, which, um, you know, already access to education and affordable education in particular is something that really is a, a class divide yeah. and, and it's racial. And it's uh, it's systemic racism the way we see it um, uh, happening, even with affirmative action programs. I mean, there's mm-hmm. still uh, there's still all kinds of discrimination based on names that sound black or right. you know or sound anything but white. And right. so, um, uh, so I think one of the consequences of this decision is that we're going to see uh, a class system even more firmly developed in the United States, and I think it's going to be even more racial if that's possible, even more racial than we have seen, which I didn't think was possible, but I, I yeah. think we're about to see it. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. Do you have a question for me, Mark? I do. And in my true okay. form, I am going to ask a question, depending on your answer, I might have a Okay, problem. But wait, Mark, before you ask me, I've got to yeah. say, I didn't steal any of your questions you, today. Actually, actually, I had I had five questions ready. The first one was who built the silos. We kind of knocked that down. Yeah, yeah, we. The second one was who is really in charge with the silo question. In a lot of ways, we knocked that down. Although I think Uh, you kind of answered that one yourself. I, I did. Useful the part question. of it was that it got leaded, led towards that. There was a lead. Okay. 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 That. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the uh, idea of wiping the screen and the founder's video on the helmet. We started to go towards that, so, so I decided that wouldn't be very, very interesting. So we knocked down three okay. of the five questions that I was already leaning for. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we stole them together this week. I absolutely. Think. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, here's my question. Like I said, depending on your answer, there might be a follow up. Okay. Now that Julia is out mm-hmm. and surviving, mm-hmm. what do you think she will do now? I think she's good. So we saw, I think it's interesting too, because we, we go, we see that there's some kind of, and I, I think it's connected to the display in her helmet, but there's some kind of optical illusion there that she's realized. Oh, absolutely. Right. And so, 
Uh, I think she, she goes over the hill that the people in the silo can see. If, if you haven't watched this, they can see up to a certain point. And she goes over that and beyond. Yeah. It, it expands up. And that's where we see what we were talking about earlier, that it looks like there are other silos with other circles. I think she's going to explore a bit. Um, we also see a city in the background. So I think she may go to the uh, kind of walk to the other silos to figure out what's going on. I think ultimately she's heading to that city in the background. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, and I'm and I I think we may start out there at the beginning of next hmm. season. Just a guess. What what do you All think? Right. I think that she is going to end up inside other silos. Hmm. And that's where my follow-up question to you was going to be. If you had answered that, I was going to ask you, what do you think the other silos would be like if she gets on the yeah. inside? I, I think that Lucas, I don't remember if you remember that character, but he's the one that gets sent down to work in the mines. I mm -hmm. think he's going to play a very important role next year. I think that because there is that giant uh, door under the water uh -huh. that, right. th that, um, uh, 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 Bernard wasn't aware of, or at least seemed like it, because when she mentioned yep. it, he seemed a little shocked. I right. think that uh -huh. that probably can is a door that connects to the closest silo. I silo? think uh, mm. Lucas will probably end up over there. I think that we might see her. We're going to see her at least in one silo, uh, and it'll be very different than what she's in now because it's been so isolated. Things will uh, advance, you know, differently. And I also think that. There's a chance we'll see several silo insides of several silos and that they're all going to be incredibly different. I think there'll probably be a silo where everyone's dead. I think that's a mm. real possibility. Uh -huh. I think there's a possibility that there's a silo where, where as bad off as they think they are in 18, where they find uh -huh. out, whoa, it's a whole lot worse over there. Worse. Mm. Um, and I think that there'll be silos where they're pretty amazing and that it's almost like a false utopia kind of thing. So I, I think that that's what's going to happen. I think she's going to make her way into other silos one way or the other, and we're going to start getting new characters and different ways that silos operate. Well, that sounds like an interesting show, and I can't wait to see if that's what happens. But I'm, I'm all in. I'm ready to see Silo. Yes. Even with my initial skepticism, I'm excited <laughs> about it. So, Agreed. hey, uh, a, a yes. couple things we need to tell you. The first the first thing, folks, that uh, that we got to tell you is that at the beginning of the summer, we said, hey, there may be a few weeks that we have to skip right. uh, because I'm, I'm currently on sabbatical for my main job. And so next week is going to be one of those weeks. I'm going to be traveling, so not available. So uh, we'll, we won't be here next week. But in uh, two weeks, almost, uh, yes. we've got something coming up. Do you want to remind people what it is, Mark? Absolutely. We've been trying to make sure you're you're aware of this. We are going to be, for our third time, getting together, live together. This time, it is going to be at the Moonshine Jesus Show. I'm not, the Moonshine Jesus Show will be at the Wild Goose. Uh, and we will be mm. on, on Saturday at 5 o'clock on the Goose Cast stage. Uh, and we've even set up a discount code for all of our listeners because we really, really, really want you to be there and to join us. We have giveaways. If you're watching live, you can see that uh, there's a T-shirt giveaways with our Shine Jesus Shine on the Moonshine Jug. Um, we've got uh, drinks that will be giving away. We've got 
huggies that we'll be giving away, stickers. So we really want all of you there to enjoy it with us. So you can go and sign up at Wild Goose Festival. And if you enter the discount code of Moonshine, they'll give you 50 bucks off uh, on your pass. So we really hope that you'll do that. And what are we going to be talking about when we're at the goose okay so i'm really excited about this indiana jones and the Woo! dial of destiny harrison ford <laughs> is making his last hurrah as indiana jones and we thought this is an epic summer movie and we want this to be an epic show so we're going to talk about indiana jones and the dial of destiny it came out last week you've got a couple more weeks to see it so if you don't want that to be spoiled and you're planning to be at wild goose <laughs> go ahead and watch it it's going to be a lot of fun and mark we're also having a, a musician uh yeah. come oh, to yeah. join us right uh, randy absolutely Kreef. who wrote the the theme song for moonshine jesus mm -hmm. show he's the voice you hear every break and every opening and every closing uh he will be there with us live and not only will you get to hear the moonshine jesus song performed live by its writer and creator but randy has been gracious and has agreed that he will uh, do a couple of other of the songs that he has personally written for oh, us so cool. we're going to have a great time talking about indiana jones but we're also going to have a great time enjoying the musical stylings of randy Kreef. The musical stylings of Absolutely. Randy Creed. That's Randy's what you'll want to come for. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, come listen to music. Come get a drink. Come listen to us talk about the theology and politics and geekiness of Indiana Jones. <laughs> right. What is there not to like? So, we I, hope I don't uh, know. on... Other right, than having other than having to look at me for about an hour, that that might uh, not for be both of us. I mean, <laughs> and they have to look at us in person and right, not just digital. Right. You know, if right. you're listening to the podcast, you don't even have to see us. You can turn right. it off. But uh, those hey, are the fortunate well, folks. Those are the fortunate <laughs> folks. It'll be a lot of fun, though. I can't yeah. wait to be in person with you, Mark. I, I love agree. doing this show in person. It's the best. It's so there's so much more energy. It's so. Uh, I don't know. There's a give and take that you can't really get over uh, digital online. So it's always an incredible show. Okay. Well, hey, we hope you'll join us then in our next show on Saturday, two weeks from uh, two days ago. And uh, yeah. you'll be you'll stop by us and see us if you're at Wild Goose. Okay. We'll hope to see you then. And uh, until then, uh, Moonshine Jesus Show checking out. Change.